0: The volume. The
1: 3NOW podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook. Very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on, John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast? How are we doing? Thursday Night Football just ended. Fired up the microphone. Going to dive into that boy, TB12. Going to be enjoying retirement here pretty soon because this bad boy is over. Uh, we will dive into the game. A lot of stuff going on. Russell Wilson, high knees. Aaron Rodgers talking some shit about his teammates. Howie Roseman continues to wheel and deal. Uh, then we'll go through some other nuggets as well as at John Middlecoff as the Instagram fire in those DMs. We will have a Middlecoff mailbag come out this weekend as well as um, you listen on Collins' feed. Make sure you subscribe to Three and Out feed. Volume's YouTube channel. Subscribe to that bad boy. You can listen to us on the AMP. Amp. Download the Amp uh, app from Amazon. You can listen to all of our shows on there. And yeah, let's just dive into uh, some football stuff. Let me tell you about my friends at TurtleBox. TurtleBox is the loudest, most portable and truly waterproof Bluetooth speaker on the market. Trust me, I'd know. Today, I was working middle of the day on Thursday and I was like, you know what? I need some tunes. So I turn that thing on, I start blasting some grunge music, early 90s rock, and this thing is just slumping. I'm like, yeah, Turtle Box is the you know what. And even better, they're now offering pro and collegiate team color. So you're a Packer fan, you're a Steeler fan, you're an Ohio State fan, you're a Michigan fan, get on my friends at Turtle Box because here's the thing. You can listen to it basically all day. You're at a barbecue. You're at a pool party. You're, I guess no pool parties. is winter. But you're indoors. You're having a party. You want it to blast all over the house. Ultra long battery life. Trust me. I know. I haven't. I've charged it one time. I've been using it for weeks. It is fantastic. Go to TurtleBoxAudio.com. That's TurtleBoxAudio.com. Use the promo code John. I spell it J-O-H-N. And get $20 off your order as well as free shipping. Trust me. I cannot recommend... TurtleBox, enough. I tell all my friends. I tell obviously you guys, go get it right now. Turtleboxaudio.com. Promo code John, $20 off your first order and free shipping. Let's start with uh, I, you know what's weird? Is sometimes when a team loses, and you know, usually you think like the story of the night is the victorious team. That's not the case here especially when it involves Tom Brady. And I was thinking about it watching this Thursday night game going, this is kind of sad, right? But it's actually a lot like the history of sports. Most of my life, older players, their career their career ended, and it didn't look great because physically they couldn't do it anymore, right? And I think we have recent examples specifically in the NFL, right? I think most famously, and it's weird because... He won the Super Bowl, but that year that Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl in 2016, I guess it happened in January or February in 2017, I went to a game that year. I watched him play live against the Oakland Raiders at the Coliseum, and a huge story that week was he'd never thrown a pick against Charles Woodson, and that game, he threw two interceptions. His arm barely worked. Either the next week or maybe two weeks later, he got benched. They claimed he was injured. And Brock Osweiler came in. He ended up playing at the end, and they won the Super Bowl. But Peyton Manning, and I love Peyton Manning. I, I love Peyton Manning. Was a shell of himself. It, it was it was difficult to watch, unless you were like a Chief or a Raider fan. And then in recent examples, we have Drew Brees. We have you know Peyton's brother Eli and, and Roethlisberger last year, who physically just implode. It happens in baseball. It happens in basketball. And what's weird with watching Tom Brady is, is physically, like, he's not falling apart. Like, he's never been able to move. He can't run now. Uh, He looks, his arm strength looks as good as ever. Like, he looks like Tom Brady. Yet his team just sucks. And I get in arguments over and over and over again about Middlecoff, you just put Belichick on a pedestal, you just think he's so great, it was all Tom Brady. I'm like, no, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady were needed for each other. And they excelled and exceeded basically in the history of the league. No one's ever going to match that, right? Six Super Bowls. They went to nine. I don't know how many AFC championships they went to. They kicked everyone's ass for two decades. It was a combination. Like in the NFL, I don't care how good you are, you need a good coach. You need help. You need good teammates. You need people around you. And what's happening to Tom Brady is not like Peyton Manning. Is not like the year Eli Manning, remember his streak got ended because they started Geno Smith. It's not like what we saw with Roethlisberger when Drew Brees. Physically, he still looks pretty good. If you put Tom Brady right now on the Buffalo Bills or the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, they would win games. He's not like some negative. But his team and his head coach are completely overmatched. And I, I thought about this like during the game. Now, I don't want credit for this because I don't deserve credit for this. But I did choose and pick the Carolina Panthers to win the NFC South. And if they beat the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday, they will be in first place. Now, their coach got fired. They're playing with P.J. Walker. So I, I don't, you know, this is not how I envisioned it happening. But that just shows you where Tampa is. Like this division is a joke. We kind of knew the division was a joke. But we at least thought Tampa, I don't, I don't know about you, but I thought Tampa was an 11-win team. They're three and five. I mean, the, to get to 10 wins now, they got to go seven and two the rest of the season. Is, is that a seven and two team over a nine game stretch? I don't care who they're playing. I, I don't see it. That to me looks like a seven and 10 team at best. So, Tom Brady, I think we all agree, and it's kind of been reported this is going to be his last season in the NFL. He's clearly going through things off the field. And part of the reason I picked Carolina was because. I've known a lot of people that have got divorced, mainly like my parents, friends, but I've actually had a few people now, you know, I'm 38 that have got divorced that are my age or a little bit older, and they usually are way happier once it ends. But when they're going through it, especially if they're, you know, minimum have a home, have some kids like it's a very stressful time, whether your net worth is worth 100 grand or like the Giselle and Tom worth hundreds of millions. It is a complicated situation. Even if you can't stand her, it's a pain in the ass. And there is a stress level and there is an energy suck, like an energy vampire that is taken out of you. And that's what I shorted. And it, when you watch him, it's hard to be like he's they're struggling because of his divorce or because of his off-the-field situation. But like the left witch, and we'll get into Arians here in a second. Think about this. They lost to the Packers. They scored 12 points. They lost to the Steelers. They called, scored 18 points. They lost to the Panthers last week. They scored three points. They lost this week. They scored 22. But really, the touchdown was under two minutes. Like, I'm not even counting that final touchdown. Like, they are struggling to score points. And people thought, and I listen, Tom is, is liable, and he holds accountability for this. Did Bruce Arians you know, was kind of the village idiot. He had kind of this Pete Carroll thing going. Like he had to go. Bruce Arians was a plot problem. And I went, you know, I, I've never been around Bruce on a daily basis. And listen, any human being can wear on you. And obviously even Belichick wore on Tom over the years, but they were winning. So whatever Arians clearly wore on Tom and Tom was older and had come like LeBron James type power in the organization. So he could force him out. But when I went to the Wikipedia page and I didn't necessarily need to do this because, you know, I follow the NFC West pretty closely and the Arizona Cardinals sucked. I mean, they were a joke and he got here and all they did was win. His first year was in the heyday of Harbaugh and Pete Carroll. They didn't make the playoffs, but they went 10 and six. And the year before that, when he took over for Chuck Pagano, when Chuck Pagano got cancer, I, that, that was a number that i had forgotten as the interim coach. He went 9-3. and three. That was Luck's rookie year. And you forget, the reason they got Andrew Luck, they drafted number one overall. <laughs> like, Bruce Arians can coach. Is he Mr. working 20 hours a day and super buttoned up on everything? No. But check Bruce Arians' record. I did. It's 80, I think, and 48 and 1. Like, he's good. He wins a lot of games. And that decision led by Tom Brady because nobody ever just randomly retires like after free agency, has been a disaster. And I've said this over and over and over. This is not a personal attack on any of these people. Uh, I've met Tom Bowles. I've spent time with Todd Bowles. I like Todd Bowles personally. He's clearly not a head coach. They're overwhelmed. They are getting dramatically worse than previous years. And just on the eye test, like it's just off. And we thought, well, Byron Leftwich, he'll just, now he has a lot more room. Bruce Arians won't be, you know, looking over his shoulder, won't be forcing him to call plays. Maybe that's not a good thing. Maybe Bruce kind of knows what he's doing. I watched the football life on Bruce Arians. Last time I checked, Roethlisberger, luck, had a lot of success with a lot of different quarterbacks. Hell, He went seven and nine when Jameis Winston threw like 75 interceptions. And I think sometimes, and listen, I don't blame Tom because that's what he believed. We always think that when we get a little juice, our ideas are the best ideas. And I don't care how big your ego is, how much success you have. Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Steve Jobs, let alone Bill Belichick. Not every single one of their ideas is genius. And clearly this idea with Tom Brady that the Tampa Bay would be better off with Bruce Arians out of there is just false. I mean, we're watching it play out in real time. They are three and five. I say this all the time about Thursday night games. You don't get style points. This is not college football. No one cares if you're a good team and you win by 30 or you win by one. The only thing that matters is when you are the home team on Thursday night, especially as the season goes. And we're now, we're almost almost a Halloween. So basically, to me, anytime after like week three or four till the end of Thursday night football, if the home team, you just got to win it, get home that night, it is a major success. Tampa kind of got their ass kicked. And we'll get into Baltimore here in a second. They're not exactly playing the 07 Pats or the 85 Bears or the 94 49ers. I mean, this Ravens team is... Probably like a 10 and 7, pretty average squad. And let's face it, they kind of separated from them as that game went. So, this Tom Brady, Bruce Arians force out, Todd Bowles, Byron Leftwich in charge is a disaster. And in the history of my life, most elite athletes, even elite quarterbacks, it ends ugly. It ends ugly, right? Only so many guys go out on top like John Elway. And this is not ending ugly because Tom sucks. Like you watch him, he looks like Tom Brady, but his team sucks. And I didn't do the math, but as Tom Brady, when's the last time he had a losing record? <laughs> I mean, I don't think he ever has. has. Has Tom Brady ever had a losing record? Definitely in the Patriots, right? They win the Super Bowl is basically the second year, and I am not counting his true rookie year because he wasn't starting quarterback since he became a starting quarterback. Second year, did they go nine and seven? They missed the playoffs, eight and eight. Maybe they went 7-9. and nine. I All he's done is won. Even the year he tore his ACL and they missed the playoffs, they went 11-5 with Matt Castle. He goes to Tampa. He's won a couple times, right? Won the Super Bowl. And then last year they lost in the second round to the LA Rams. Tom Brady's about to go like 7-10. and 10. That's how his career's going to end. Pretty fucking nuts when you really take a step back and think about it. For a guy that isn't some shell of himself. Who, you know, like, for example, the 49ers would die to have on their squad right now. I mean, if you told me Tom Brady was the quarterback for Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers the rest of the season, you'd be like, oh, they'll make the playoffs easily. His team sucks. But he kind of dictated the terms. Like, sometimes you don't want to get involved in certain things. And I don't necessarily blame Tom for having his opinion. But on this one, his opinion and his influence blew up in his face, which is which is kind of crazy. And then on the flip side, Baltimore. Like, I'm watching this game. I actually just got a text from a buddy in the league. Like, I love to see Tom Brady struggling. <laughs> like, I think a lot of people enjoy it, you know? And when he kicks everyone's ass for two decades, people are rooting for you to struggle. And the Ravens, it's weird, right? They're five and three. And I think, you know, I, I saw it come across the ticker that Jamar Chase, you know, a hip injury. He's out for a substantial amount of time. Like, that, that is a major, major blow to Joe Burrow. I thought that Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, they were really kind of, kind of gaining some swagger. They were they were coming. They they look like an 11-12 win team. You remove Jamar Chase, let's just let's just pick a month. That's best case. Like that's a problem. Any game that Jamar Chase doesn't play for them is a major major blow for the Bengals. But is their division any good? The Browns suck. The Steelers suck. The Ravens, in theory, should be like their equal or the team, you know, battling with them to win the division. And obviously, if you remove Chase for let's just worst case scenario, say he never comes back, that would be yeah, they should not win the division. But I'm watching the Ravens tonight, and 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 I I got to be careful with making like major judgments on a Thursday night game, especially a road team. But are they any good? Like, <laughs> I watch them, I go, are they really that good? Their kicker's unreal. And Al Michaels brought this up. He's like, Justin Tucker is a Hall of Famer. Well, yeah, no shit. Justin Tucker, 1,000,000% is a Hall of Famer. He is not going to be the most accomplished kicker of all time, right? Adam Vinatieri will never be eclipsed. But in no world is Adam Vinatieri a more talented player. And if you put Justin Tucker's entire career with Tom Brady and then Peyton Manning in his prime, you would have seen Adam Vinatieri on steroids, so, Lamar Jackson is their best player. But, like, is the, the Ravens' second best player their kicker? Because I'm watching their team going, well, got some good running backs receiving. I'm not really sure what's going on. I like Mark Andrews. He got banged up. Their defense, in theory, should be pretty good. You know, it's probably not as good as it should be as it was under Wink Martindale. Uh, they're going to end up winning 10 or 11 games, but they're not beating the Chiefs or the Bills. Like, it's pretty clear the AFC is a two-horse race. The Chiefs and the Bills. Who else is in their world? Now, if you wanted to make the argument, if you were a Bengals fan, like, we played the Chiefs last year at Arrowhead, and we beat them. And we beat them. I'd be like, yeah, you're right. Jamar Chase is going to be healthy? Because if Jamar Chase is healthy, then, yeah, I'd give you a fighting chance. You got Joe Burrow. You got some talent to hang with one of those two teams if you got lightning in a bottle. But if you tell me he is compromised, like, I'm sorry. And if you tell me he's compromised, like, you and the Ravens are basically the same. Two teams that I don't view close to as equals. We don't take the Chargers seriously. Uh, you know who, who else do we take? Ser- the, we don't take the Titans, even though they're going to win the division seriously. So it's the AFC is the Bills and the Chiefs, and then an enormous drop off, and then whoever the hell else makes the playoffs: Titans, Ravens, Bengals. Go! Cool. Like, you guys are just kind of participants. You're just there. And I had some people texting me, actually one buddy's like, do you think there's a chance that Lamar Jackson loses money on this contract? Because you watch him tonight, you go, God, you know, he's somewhat hit or miss. Now, part of it is their talent at wide receiver is, you know, not great, even though tonight they were like, Deshaun Jackson, he's been working out. Deshaun Jackson, like that's who you guys are kind of putting your hopes on. Give me a break. But no, if Lamar Jackson at any moment in the offseason can be like, I'm never playing for you again. If you don't pay me $200 million, trade me. Someone would pay him $200 million. There are so many teams that need quarterbacks, and he's still very dynamic. His throwing is a little hit or miss. It's not really debatable. And when Mark Andrews is not in the game, and Mark Andrews, you know, beside, like, obviously, Kelsey, then Kittle, Waller is nowhere to be found. Mark Andrews is elite. But when Mark Andrews is MIA, it is a major, major red flag for Lamar Jackson. So, he is not, like, I like Lamar Jackson, and I was someone who was not a fan. I support the guy because I always support high-level people. And I know a couple people with the Ravens, they fucking love him because of the guy he is, because of his team, like, first, just nature, the way his teammates gravitate toward. I'm a Lamar Jackson fan, but he's got some flaws. He, He has some serious flaws as a passer, but he is a fantastic football player. And I like going to war with football players. The problem, if you put Lamar Jackson in the NFC, and you'd have to go through the Staffords and the Kylers and the Dax, I'd go, yeah, he could beat any of them. He could win Jalen Hurts. He could win the NFC. The problem in the AFC, you got to beat Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And he ain't doing it. And that team ain't doing it. They're just not as good as I thought they would be. I thought they were going to be a power. And they're just simply not. They're not even remotely as good as I thought. I, I thought they, honestly, when the season started, to be a 13-win team. I mean, this is a team that's probably going to get to like 10, 11, 11 max. Uh, they definitely have some issues. But listen, they are a consistent winner now, mainly because of Lamar Jackson. Football season is underway. So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code Colin. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Get paid your winnings fast. So sign up today with promo code Colin for your no sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 and over In present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT-STEP to 533-42-ARIZONA. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org/chat. Connecticut 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com/rg. Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP. Louisiana or 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Michigan. one 877 8777 Hope NY, or text Hope NY, 467-369, New York, Tennessee Redline Line, one 888 9789 Tennessee, one 522 4700 Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
1: Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Let's start with, uh, you know, Mr. Unlimited, Mr. Danger Witch. And don't get me wrong, I I love a good... Chicken teriyaki, hot on a uh, on flatbread at Subway. Baked Lay's chips barbecue, but I can also go with uh, sour cream and onion as well as the chocolate chip cookies at Subway, our elite, not going to lie. But Russell Wilson, they fly to London. You've all probably seen this by now. First, he said a couple weeks ago that he had Wolverine blood, that he just heals faster. We all know where we stand on Russell Wilson, the cheesiness. Now, one thing I will defend him overall, because I, I, I believe, me personally, I, I know it works, is being an optimistic person. So I, his optimistic side, uh, it's never really bothered me. It's more the cheesiness. Now... I would imagine a lot of people listening to this have never been to a press conference like an NFL press conference when a coach or a quarterback talks, right? Typically, just the big J journals, and then randomly guys like me end up there every once in a while. I've been to a lot of these. And a lot of times the comments that go viral aren't necessarily, you know, it's not like they just um, impromptu start talking about it. A lot of times they're asked about it because a reporter and typically the big J's have a story that they want to write about. So they are trying to get an answer out of them. So I don't know. I, my guess is he was asked about what he did on the plane. And obviously, we've all seen it from high knees. When I saying high knees, I think he's not running. He's stretching as he's walking down the hallway, pulling his knees high. The unlimited film watching and yoga that he's doing on the plane when literally everyone sleeps. And listen, I, I was thinking a lot about this like, When you first start a job, like I was thinking when I first got the job with the Eagles or first got the job in radio, when you start at ground zero, you have to separate from the pack. So you have to be early, stay late, go above and beyond, do stuff you're not even asked to do, do stuff that definitely your salary or whatever they're paying you does not equal. Part of the deal. It's the way you separate, right? No different than like an undrafted free agent at training camp. He is not held to the same standard as like, George Kittle or Travis Kelsey. If I want to make the team, I better go above and beyond to impress people. That's just basic knowledge, right? When you're trying to break in somewhere, whether you're an NFL player, whether you're in finance, whether you're in podcasting, whatever you're in, you have to uh, go above and beyond, not for money. You have to impress the hierarchy of the company, of your bosses, of the people you're working for, Welcome to capitalism. Now, once you make it, once you become the head coach, once you become the CEO, once you become the vice president, once you become whatever and being highly compensated, no one cares what time you leave or what time you go home, what time your alarm goes off, what time you do whatever. The expectation is just that, produce. So when I pay a CEO, the company better boom. When I pay a quarterback $45 million, you better dominate. That's the price of admission. Like I would love to know Peyton Manning and Tom Brady's daily schedule. They don't go talking about it. Why? Cause they understand like you don't get extra credit for studying long. Honestly, when you're the CEO, when you're the head coach, when you're the head coach, you only get shit for not working hard. Why did everyone crush Kyler Murray when he got $45 million? We go, wait, you're going to get $45 million to a guy that we don't even know likes football and doesn't put in the time. That's insane. The price of admission for big boy jobs in this country, whether it's a starting quarterback, whether it's a head coach, whether it's a CEO of a bank, whatever, is be a grinder. You don't get to work three hour days and play golf four days a week. That ain't the that ain't the job. And if you do, I saw a funny tweet yesterday of Doc Rivers, basically how he plays golf every day. The Sixers are getting their ass kicked and everyone's making fun like, is Doc Rivers really a grinder? And I'm a Doc Rivers guy, but it is not going well. So Russell Wilson... You know, it's weird. Like, is he trying to brag? I don't know. I just, I I don't really care that much about the whole Russell trying to figure him out. I just know he's a little cheesy for my taste. But when you start bragging about how hard you're working, think about this. That entire plane is full of the highest achievers at their profession. Like the coaching staff, everyone in the NFL, the majority of coaches are grinders. Think about the majority of players. Think about some of the guys on that team specifically. You think Jerry Judy made it in the NFL without being a grinder, playing for Saban? You think Patrick Sertan, who might be the best cornerback, is just like showing up, practice, going home, eating McDonald's, watching TV? Of course not. These guys are all grinding. Yet on the plane, because that's what most people do when they're flying to London, is they're snoozing. They're taking, a, they're taking a nap. So him basically saying that I'm doing all this, the entire plane is knocked out. It's like, how can anyone on that team take him seriously? If every day Tom Brady bragged about how much harder he was working than everyone on the Bucks or everyone on the Patriots, people would kind of zone him out. Of course, more than likely, he is putting in more time than everyone on the team. Maybe not this year, but historically. Same thing with Peyton. Same thing with Drew Brees. They don't talk about it. You notice head coaches, Belichick, Andy, Sean Payton, Sean McVay, Kyle Shannon, they don't brag about what time they get up. Guess what? Most of them are getting up between like 4 30 and 5. They're up while the masses are sound asleep. Because it's just part of the it's it's part of the expectation. It's part of why they make $15 million. So one problem for Russell Wilson, regardless of just the cheesiness and the the kind of the BS optimism when things aren't going well. When you start doing stuff like this, when you're not playing good, this to me is when people tune you out. Obviously, the internet is making fun of him, But to me, it's more about like, are his teammates going to turn on him? Like if I was a guard, and I'm a starting guard in the NFL for the Denver Broncos, and I'm a solid player, and I do everything humanly possible to keep my spot, keep making my 3 or $4 million because it's an incredible job, and he just keeps talking like this, I'd be like, I, I, I just... I can't take you that seriously. And it's one thing if you're really good at whatever you do and I don't take you seriously. If I'm a partner with you or I'm in business with you, I know that I just have to figure out a way to deal with you because you're in a, in an indirect or a direct way going to make me money and make me more successful. Well, Russell Wilson right now has been a big reason they're not being successful. Imagine all those guys on defense. Every single week, they're kicking the shit out of people. Last week, they just lost a game. Now, granted, he didn't play 16 to 9. Like, all they're doing on a weekly basis is making plays. And they got this guy, like, I- I'm sorry. I- I've been out on Russell. Uh, I- I'm not a believer that he's going to have some storming comeback. But I-, I think this type stuff is, I mean, legitimately when he starts jumping the shark. On the flip side, Aaron Rodgers, who, you know, a lot of people are giving a lot of crap to because after the last game, He crushed a lot of people. He said people need to figure it out. People basically, this is not verbatim, need to work harder. People need to get focused, the details. And then he told McAfee when asked about himself that the quarterback coach told him last week against the commanders that he had the highest grade of the season. So I understand when you say that everyone else needs to get their shit together. And yet the coaches told me I'm playing as well as possible. I understand where people are like, give me a break, Aaron. And ideally, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I probably leave that part out, even though the entire team knows the grades of the individual players. But my take is on Aaron Rodgers, what he said. First and foremost, right or wrong, he makes $50 million a reason, for a reason. He's the back to back MVP. He's probably the best player in the history of the franchise. He views himself as an equal with the coaching staff. Now, I know a lot of people think that Matt LaFleur is not like uh, he doesn't hold guys accountable. or I, I've seen some of that. Like Aaron had to take the role that Matt won't take, crushing guys publicly. And I don't know Matt LaFleur personally, but I went to a Tennessee Titans practice years ago. I was out in, in Nashville for a bachelor party, and I went a week early. Because I was going to play some golf. And, you know, knowing John Robinson, I actually had him on this podcast and I went to a Titans OTA practice. And I'm pretty sure that was Vrabel's first season. And his offensive coordinator was LaFleur, who was coming from the the Rams. And I vividly remember LaFleur. Mariota was the quarterback. You know, Derrick Henry was on the team. Deion Lewis. They had Corey Davis. He was lighting guys up. I, I was pretty impressed. I'm not saying he was Bill Parcells out there, but he was. He was getting into dudes, dropping f bombs, screaming at guys. I, I I came away, and you can never judge anyone strictly off a non padded practice. But I thought his operation and in terms of his intensity was pretty impressive. So just because a guy acts one way between a you know behind a microphone and the way he's in front of his team, you never know with that. But I believe that Aaron Rodgers views himself like a coach and views himself like I think he's desperate because they've been getting their ass kicked. They've just lost to the Commanders, the Giants, and the Jets. Like, I'm sorry, that's not ideal when you're the Green Bay Packers and won 39 games the last three years. Like, that's every single human alive. Literally every single human alive, including myself. Pick them before the season. If you were going to go wins and losses, even if you had the Packers as like a 10-win team, you would have picked them to beat the Jets, you would have picked them to beat the Giants, and you definitely would have picked them to beat the Commanders. And I think Rodgers, probably like the coaching staff, is worried that this season's going to get away from him. So when he's crushing these guys publicly, I would imagine he's tried to talk to them one-on-one. He's tried to do stuff, and it ain't working. Like this notion that he's not a good leader, he's a bad leader, I don't know. I've never spent time around him in a football building. But I do think he, the last couple of years, it seems like he's tried to be a better teammate, and it worked. And now that they're not having success, like... If your fastball's not working and you're a fastball pitcher, like eventually you got to throw a slider or a changeup. And I think that's what he's trying to do because let's face it, they get their ass kicked this week in, in Buffalo, which they're an enormous favorite, the biggest or an enormous underdog, the biggest underdog of Aaron Rodgers' career. Like this guy hasn't been playing in the league for five years. Like this guy's been the starter since 08. It's a long fucking time. Biggest underdog of his career. Now, granted, he's played on a lot of good teams. I thought this team was going to be pretty solid. It clearly is not. And now they're in some trouble. And sometimes, like I said, your fastball not not working, and then all of a sudden you throw a change. Like, what else are you going to do? This is a pitch that he's probably not used to throwing. He's usually not publicly crushing guys. You can say he's passive-aggressive or what, but I I, I think he's all out of, you know, ideas, and this is kind of like a last-ditch Hail Mary. And then there's Howie Roseman, who just made a trade uh, to acquire Quinn, the pass rusher, from... um, from the Chicago Bears who've been on the LA Rams a good player I mean this guy he's not having a great season but obviously the Bears somewhat in shambles and I what really stuck out to me is I was uh, I heard this quote the other day a couple weeks ago on the All In podcast it's the podcast with the four venture capitalists they talk a lot of business a lot of politics a lot of different stuff And they're all, you know, some of them are richer than others. I mean, I would imagine the minimum net worth of of the lowest net worth of the individual on the podcast, like $500 million. They're all really successful guys. And he had this quote, one of them, that said, Fortunes are made in recessions and collected in the booms. And I started thinking, like, it's, it's well known, right? Most people, they buy cheap and then they sell high, right? But when you really just take a step back, like, a lot of money... People got rich in 07 and 08. Why? We fucking bottomed out. Well, what happens when things bottom out? Stocks, real estate, companies, whatever, I get to buy it for cheaper. Well, eventually, more than likely, a lot of things go back up. So when times are really bad, if you make good decisions, whatever your profession is, that's where you really benefit. Five, 10 years in the future, but no one wants to do that. It's why, like, in 2015, there were a million people like, I should have bought this. I should have done that. Well, the world's full of woulda, coulda, should shouldas. There are only so many doers, right? Uh, Tony Robbins always has the quote, Wall Street is the one place in America when things go on sale, people run. And I think the Eagles are a great example of that fucking thing could have blown up. And it was right in front of our eyes. They had drafted Carson Wentz number two overall, and then they had doubled down and they invested so much money into him, and it started going off the rails. They benched him. But guess what happens when they benched him? Six months previously, they had drafted a quarterback in the second round. We all thought they were nuts. We're like, what are you doing? Probably the smartest thing they'd ever done. And then when they got really crappy, Howie was constantly making moves. Like two years ago, when he traded from pick six to 12 to acquire a first-round pick. And that he ended up getting Devontae Smith. And then he did it again last year when he made a trade with the Saints, who now look like they might be drafting in the top five. And as things were getting crappy, he was making moves like trading back, acquiring future first round picks, getting Devontae Smith, getting Landon Dickerson, you know, signing guys or trading for Darius Slay, making a trade last year for A.J. Brown. But the reason he was in position with that stuff is because when things got ugly in like 19 and 20, he didn't just blow the thing up. He pivoted and made long-term moves and long-term in the NFL is like two or three years. And now they are really reaping the benefits. And now, like, Howie bought low in the recession. He made a bunch of smart moves. And then a couple years later, his team's fucking undefeated. Absolutely stocked. And they're not looking for three or four pieces. They're just missing a piece or two. So you trade a fourth-round pick, which, let's face it, means nothing to the Eagles right now, to get a pass rusher who could be the difference in you winning the division, you getting over the top, you winning, you being a 15-2 and two number one seed that is going to be very, very tough to beat. And they are in position right now. Most teams, and I wouldn't have blamed them at all, had just tried to bottom out. And listen, I, I've known Howie for a long time, but I, I just know the ethos of that organization is not to truly suck. They're not into, like, bottoming out. Now, you could argue, well, what happened that last game when they brought in Sudfield? Well, yeah, that was week 17 or 18, whatever. I guess it would have been 17 three years ago, right? Right. But, like, they never go into a season like, we'll just really suck and hope to get a uh, Victor Wembiama. Like, that's just not how they think. They're always thinking about adding sweet players. And the Carson Wentz thing is the greatest example because imagine that they traded that guy for a first round pick. Think about the difference between them and the Colts. The Colts are always caught in no man's land when it comes to quarterbacks. Always. It's just like they they're desperate. They they actually got kind of lucky the year Phillip Rivers was available. And then they make the trade for Carson Wentz. That's blown up in their face. Then they make the trade for Matt Ryan. That blows up in their face. Eagles, boom, just draft a guy in the second round, replaces a guy that they drafted number two overall as they were building pieces around on their team. So then when Jalen Hurts actually hits, and don't get me wrong, I never thought he would, but he kind of did. Now their team's sweet and they look like, you know, I, I don't know, 14 win type squad. It's because when things got ugly, he kept making moves, and now he's really reaping the benefits. A couple other thoughts. The Chiefs uh, trade for the Tony, the wide receiver from uh, the New York Giants, who was a very, very questionable p- uh, draft pick when Dave Gettleman made it. I think he took him 20th overall. Uh, now, that trade ultimately led them to having multiple picks because, remember, they went from 11 to 20 with the trade with the Chicago Bears that netted the Bears, Justin Fields. But this kid's been a major bust for the uh, for New York. One thing he gives them, the Chiefs. Now, his character also, like, you know, this is where when you have a high-level organization led by really strong, good people, like the Chiefs, their two-team captains are Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. Like, what are you going to do? Come in there and act like, act like a slapdick? Like, th- that ain't that ain't happening. It's much easier with the Giants, who have been losing the last couple years, for a questionable character guy to act that we not shape in. It's impossible when you're a low-level guy to survive with high-level guys. They will eat you alive. If you're a low-level guy and you go to the Golden State Warriors, you either shape in or they get rid of you. If you're a low-level guy, you go to the Kansas City Chiefs, you either shape in or they get rid of you. So, yeah, they, they paid not nothing, right? A, a conditional third-round pick. This guy is a big-time talent, and he can really stretch the field. And when you watch the Kansas City Chiefs, and I watched every snap they played last week, that's really kind of what they're lacking. This Pacheco kid, their running back, pretty damn good. Their screen game with all their other running backs, always going to be awesome. Kelsey, best tight end in the league. Juju, been sweet for them. But they just don't have a guy who truly pushes with a speed element down the field. So this is worth the, worth the risk. And Andy has a long history of of dealing with these type guys. And like I said, like what's he going to do? Act like an idiot? They'll just get rid of him. Uh, Mac Jones. I, I I was shocked to see all the reaction that uh that like Bill did wrong by Mac Jones. Uh, honestly, like wh- who the fuck is Mac Jones? Just because he was drafted fifteenth overall, he has not played well. He didn't play well the end of last year, and this year when he's been on the field, he has been awful. So last week when he threw that interception, now it might have hit the rope right that's holding the camera. Even if it didn't hit the the, it's not a rope. It's a it's a wire, whatever. Like, what are you doing, Mac? Scrambling around like you're Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. You're Kirk Cousins, bro. Play within the pocket. Throw the ball away. Take a fucking sack. You, you're not Lamar Jackson. So when he went to the bullpen, everyone's like, Why is he yanking around quarterbacks? Like I've said, he's dealing with two backup quarterbacks. Now is Mac better than Bailey? More than likely, yes. Right. One guy, Alabama, the other guy, Western Kentucky. You know, I I would bet just in a vacuum if they all went to all 32 teams, Mac Jones more than likely would turn out to be the better player, though, you know, who who knows? But I have no problem with going to the bullpen and I would I would look forward to it again. If I'm in a tight game against the Jets who just lost their star running back and their star offensive lineman and it's 10 to 10 and Mac is not playing well, I would go to the bullpen without hesitation. And you can go, "Well, John, if you got two quarterbacks, you don't have one." Well, yeah, no shit. They got two quarterbacks. They, they, I Unless Mac Jones gets his swagger back, which I would argue never really had, like they do have two quarterbacks. They got two backup ones. And you just ultimately got to pick the best one and figure it out on the fly. And if Mac's going to play bad, I support Belichick. For, I also got a, a DM, and I get some sometimes, like that Belichick's really overrated. And I go, he won 11 games with Mac Jones. And someone hit me back up, like, look who he beat. I don't care who he beats. How many coaches in the NFL... Now, granted, you can question his ability as a GM. His roster is not great, and he's the guy picking all the players. But last year, with that roster, to win 11 games, how many coaches could? Andy Reid, Sean Payton, that, that might be it. Like Belichick's big time. And he's, pro- he's going to win 9 or 10 this year with Mac Jones and Billy Z- and Bailey Zappi. Like, I'm sorry, it's pretty impressive. Is he more important than Tom? Like, Obviously, Tom is not replaceable. But let's not act like Tom didn't benefit from Bill too. I, I just I, I think too many people love just burying Belichick now that Tom's gone. Like, does, B, does Bill have some faults? Is he is he a negative Nancy and a miserable prick a lot of the times? For sure. Does the guy you know one of the best coaches we've ever seen any sport, and I would argue the best NFL coach? I listen. I, I feel pretty good about my stance on that. Ryan Tannehill's banged up; hasn't been practicing all week. It'd be pretty interesting if Malik Willis plays uh, for the Titans. You know, this is why, you know, you draft guys in the middle rounds, the third, fourth, fifth round. Like, look at Bailey Zappi. W- what if the Patriots had not drafted Bailey Zappi? They'd be playing with Brian Hoyer. Who the hell wants to see Brian Hoyer play? Uh, so props to Robinson and and Vrabel for drafting this guy because otherwise they just have some random scrub backup that you'd be trying to replace at the end of the year anyway. And last but not least, I'm sure you guys have all seen the story on uh, – you know, obviously, Elon officially bought Twitter and it went viral of the Twitter employees with this list of all these demands. It's like, guys, your stock has been a dog for a decade. Your company's in fucking shambles. If anything, you should just stay quiet, try to impress the guy. But one of the things in the document the Twitter employee said was they want to keep working from home. Well, of course you do. But what if Elon wants you to come into the office? Your ass better be in the office. Not everyone gets to operate on the same wavelength. If Tom Brady wants to take 11 days off during training camp, is it weird? Yes. But if Tom Brady wants to, do you know what you say? Would you know what you say? If you're the head coach of the GM, see you in 12 days, Tom, have a good break, (laughs) right? Like not everyone gets to operate from the same standards. So Elijah Moore, the wide receiver from the jets who from all accounts, I remember texting with someone with the jets last year. They're like, he's a really good player. We love the guy. He's a high level guy. Then this year, he starts bitching and moaning about his targets. Well, Elijah, you guys are throwing for 100 yards a game, so no one's really getting any targets. And two, for him to demand a trade reminded me a little bit of the Twitter employees. Like, if Justin Jefferson wants to demand a trade, if, if Devontae Adams wants to demand a trade, okay. You know, if, if Tyreek kills, like, you got to trade me if you're not going to pay me, I get it. Like, Elijah Moore... I, I, news for you No one gives a flying fuck What you think Like just Work starts at 5.30 or 6 or 8 Or whenever on Monday We'll see you there Like Stop demanding trades Like Who do you think you are? This This lost sense Sometimes guys have like, I just don't get it. Just because you see, like, NBA players on Twitter demanding trades. Like, Twitter. Employee. Like, you, you don't get to just work from home forever. Well, if the company wants you to show up, you show up. Or else, you're not making three hundred fifty grand anymore. Doing nothing. Like, Elijah. You're getting paid a decent amount of money, being a high second-round pick. Like, you got to prove something. No one's seen you really do anything. So, to demand a trade, honestly, I thought was pretty embarrassing. And a pretty terrible look. And props to the Jets for telling you, like... Yeah, bro, practice is at 7.30 Tuesday. Be there, be square, buddy. Talk to you later. Uh, So I I think the Jets are really making strides of becoming a little bit of a higher-level organization. But some of these guys, you know, not every trade demand is equal. You know, it's just not. makes you laugh.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, And the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
1: Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Here with my main man, Stucky, who, uh, you know, I I don't want to say got screwed in the Giants-Jacksonville game, but, you know, took a... Took a goal line stop or he would have won that bad boy. So he's 15 and 11. You can find him on the Action Network, uh, Action Network podcast on Thursdays. Big bets on campus. Find him on Twitter, tweeting nonstop over the weekend, gambling, extraordinaire. 15 and 11. Um, And uh, how are you feeling, Stucky?
2: Good. It was my first bad weekend of the season. Uh, Those will happen. It's been a really good year. But uh, it's the NFL. Who cares? It's a week-to-week league. Just And it's just like it's a week-to-week league playing. It's a week to league betting. And uh, it's on to the next. I actually was more mad about... I know it was more Giants magic in the fourth quarter. But I actually was more mad about losing to Zach Wilson on the road, who had one of the worst offensive games of the season. I think the Jets had 10 first downs, like 200 total yards. They did nothing. They had one run. Brees Hall broke run. But Brees Hall got hurt. They had an offensive line get hurt. And I trusted Brett Rippon, and I probably shouldn't have. Um, Jet special teams were really good. Brett Rippon made the key mistake. Zach Wilson didn't, although he tried to throw the ball like in the air that Denver returned for a touchdown that got reviewed. So, yeah, I shouldn't have trusted Brett Rippon, but uh, it's on to Week 8, and uh, yeah, we're getting into the heart of the NFL season. It's going to be fun. The NFC is a dumpster fire. You could have – I think I tweeted this out yesterday. You could have, by the end of this weekend – Unlikely, but it could happen. The Panthers could be in sole possession of first place. The Vikings, the Giants, I mean, and the Seahawks. Like, what is going on in the NFC? It's wild times.
1: I'm a little surprised, you know, you sent me your three games this week, that uh, the old zappy Mac Jones-Belichick combo, you're not hammering them this weekend against the Jets because – the Jets, obviously, they've won five games. and We've gone over. I mean, the quarterbacks they're beating. Add another one to the list, Brett Ripon, which I would imagine most people listening, unless you watch that and they talked about it, could not tell you where he went to college. But the the Jets, like, obviously, they got some talented players. I mean, they just lost two of their best players, and literally the way they, the only way they can win is by him throwing, you know, around a hundred yards, not turning the ball over. And running the football and obviously playing defense. Now, their defense is still going to be solid, but lose Brees Hall, who is a star. Star would be strong, but I mean, he had a chance to be and an offensive lineman who's a fucking stud. I mean, that's that is a major blow. I, I think the Jets are fucked. And I, I love the Patriots this weekend.
2: Yeah, I played the Patriots. They just, they, I mean, I just didn't include them in my <clears throat> three from the show, but yeah, they would have been next. Um, They've won 12 straight in the series. Belichick owns the Jets, but.
1: You get get nervous with the quarterback situation with the Zappy Mac Jones thing going.
2: Yeah, it makes you a little nervous. Like, who's taking all the reps? And and if Mac Jones starts, like he's you know Zappy's he played two of the worst. I'm a huge Zappy guy. I've been a huge Zappy guy since his Houston Baptist days. But he's still a rookie. He's going to have some struggles. He got to play two of the worst defenses in the NFL. He's going to have some struggles. And then Mac Jones, I expect to to get his job back, um, or at least you know get a shot at it. He's going to have some rust, and he didn't really get to played much last week and he's been out for a while so but yeah I, this is I, I played the Patriots here Zach Wilson has been hard all the Jets have done is beat backup quarterbacks third string quarterbacks like and the only two real teams that they faced were the Ravens and the Bengals and they got blown out in both Zach Wilson's out 35th out of 36 six quarterbacks In the NFL, if you look at like EPA completion percentage over expectation composite, only Baker Mayfield has been worse this year. He's horrible. And I'll give you a stat if you're looking for a reason to bet the Patriots here under a field goal. Belichick, and this is the only other times I've bet the Patriots this year, and it's worked, so it's not just a Brady stat. Belichick is 39-7-1 against the spread after a loss as a dog or a favorite of under a touchdown. That's 84.1%. On the road, so if he's on the road after a straight-up loss, he's 26-3-1 and one against the spread Dirty. as either an underdog or favorite under a touchdown. That's 89.7% covering by 10 points per game, 2-0 and this year in that spot.
1: Yeah, I think the Robert Zala, Zach Wilson magic is going to come, uh, come to a screeching halt. Okay, let's dive into the weekend slate. Uh, you know, the Lions, who I, I was very bullish on, and shit, it might have been hard knocks. I don't know. You watch them, and just obviously something's off. Goff, you know, at any moment can just throw the ball to the other team. Their defense, who actually played pretty well for a large percentage of that game against the Cowboys, uh, was not the problem, but has been the problem. Uh, Miami coming in, I mean, they're, they're a big dog at home. Now, he did get your classic, like, the owner. Did you see come out and support Dan Campbell? Which is always a positive, uh, I I guess. But I don't know. I I have zero trust in Tua. Though, like I've said over and over, I've been shocked by how hard Tyreek's playing, Waddle's a stud. They do have good players, but it it seems like the Dolphins are losing a lot of players on defense. So maybe this is um, the time Detroit gets a win. Shit, I I, I guess I would lean Detroit. I, I probably would not touch this game. How about you?
2: Yeah, I played the Lions since I could get three and a half. Anything over three, I think, is a good play here. I think the markets finally fallen out of love with the Lions. but if you dig a little, cl- you know, deeper, early in the year they lost by three at home to Philly. You know, they scored a little late, but they, you know, they beat. They put up thirty five in that game. They put up thirty six at home against Washington and win the next week. They should have won at Minnesota the following. But they lose on two late touchdowns. Then they play Seattle at home, lose forty eight to forty five. That doesn't look as bad now. But they, no. again, they put up. Forty-five points. They go on the road to New England, ba- a bad spot. Jared Goff outdoors has always been bad, and they get blown out. Then they have a bye. They come back. Their defense looks a lot better, and they started playing a couple rookies. Um, they put Josh Pascal in. This Kirby Joseph at safety's playing well. Malcolm Rodriguez at linebacker. Hutchinson has best day as a pro, and then Akuda did as well at corner. So I think their defense might be trending up a little bit. But, but you have that, to game, about-
1: that game was closer in the final score too. I mean, Dallas that, that game going was in tight. to
2: take the lead. In the beginning of the fourth quarter, first and goal at the one, fumbles the ball. Despite, you know, losing the turnover about, I think, 5 nothing. The yardage was was even in that game. They still have a great offensive line. And guess what? The past couple weeks, Detroit has been playing without DeAndre Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown. They're two most important players on offense. Last week, Swift was out. He's in this week. And St. Brown was ruled out. He was spotted for a concussion, which he ultimately didn't have in the, on the first series. So he went out for the game. That's an, a massive loss. So they'll have their full-strength offense or close to it, their most important players playing here. And then you have a really good offensive line against a Miami secondary that's decimated by injury. I mean, Byron Jones on the pup list, Nick Needham, Trill Williams, Brandon Jones, their fourth and fifth corners are hurt. Xavion Howard's playing hurt. It's just a mess. So I think that Goff at home with his full complement of weapons, can move the ball, as the Lions have done at home all season when they've had Brown and uh, Swift. And then if you look at the Dolphins' offense, it's like, you know, yes, I, I love the additions of Waddle and Hill, what, they've, what they're have what they doing in this offense, but they've, in four of five to his starts, they haven't surpassed 21 total points. There's, you know, they had that explosion in the fourth quarter against the Ravens, but... There's something just still off, uh, and I'm not as big of a believer of some in Tua as you are as well. So, yeah, I think this is a good spot to get the Lions when everyone's kind of s- selling them uh, at home and they get their most important pieces back. And I think their defense is going to be trending up a little bit with these young pieces getting in playing time.
1: You're right. If you just watch like a series, you know, Moser's flying around, Tyreek Waddle. They look better than the overall result of. It's not like they're averaging thirty points a game. You know, they they struggle to get twenty plus. Uh, I you know you sent me Arizona, Minnesota, and I was just it just hit me. Usually, when you come off a buy, a big advantage you have is getting a team that just played the previous week. Arizona played on Thursday, so that's kind of that mini buy, which is you know. And on top of that, they you know I, I don't know if he's their best. Yeah, he's probably their best player, DeAndre Hopkins. Back off suspension, so he gets you know another week to acclimate in. Minnesota secondary stinks. I mean, they haven't been good now in years. And listen, I I am not a Kyler guy, but like fucking, you give him Hopkins, he he does look kind of like a you know a much more explosive. I don't know if he's quite a forty-five million dollar player with Hopkins, but he's he's much better and he's much scarier to play that they are just kind of built to to play inside. I mean, this is. I thought I wouldn't like this game, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm Arizona plus three and a half. I, I guess would would be my, would be my side.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, Arizona plus three and a half. I like anything over a field goal here. I like, and you're right. Minnesota's coming off a bye. For what it's worth, Cousins has been bad off byes and off extended rest his whole career. Maybe meaningless, but
1: do you think that's do you think that's an unfair advantage when you're coming off a bye and you get the team that just played a Thursday night game? You know, yeah, that's, for a, sure. that's like three extra days for them.
2: Yeah, especially <laughs> at home. And for what it's worth, this is. Cliff Kingsbury on the road is as an underdog is 15 3 2 against the spread. That's 83%. He's won eight straight outright on the road as an underdog. I don't know if like they just are distracted at home and they just don't aren't organized. I don't know what is going on, but they're awful at home, generally speaking, and very good on the road as an underdog. They've won eight straight outright as an underdog. And yeah, you mentioned it with Hopkins. Murray is 9-2 with Hopkins, completing 71% of his passes, 20 touchdowns, 9 picks, 275 yards per game. Without him, he's 3-7, 64%, 11 touchdowns, 6 picks, only 230 yards per game. The most telling stat is overall, with or without Murray, with Hopkins in the game, they have averaged 27 points in 27 games. With Hopkins, in 13 without him, 18. It's almost a 10-point drop-off. You saw the different teammates. It's noticeable, too. Back. Yeah, yeah he check. just opens up the offense. He's a trustworthy third down target. And, you know, his first game back, 10 catches, uh, 100 yards, first time all season Murray had a pass rating over 100. And, yeah, I the, the Arizona defense also, their metrics, I think, in the market are a little deflated because of that first game when they played the Chiefs, who are, you know, a juggernaut on offense. But they also – the Arizona defense was – Depleted by injuries, they're missing. I think five or six starters. If you from week two on, you know overall in the season they're twentieth in EPA per play on defense. If from week two on they're ninth, so they've been a top ten defense. I think they're not a great defense, but their defense is not as bad uh, as some of the metrics suggest. And I think the Vikings are a paper tiger. I mean they're five and one, but they they should have lost to the Lions as I mentioned, dead even game. They the Saints, you know, with their backups in London, dead even game. Um, the Bears a one another one possession win, dead even game, five point eight yards per play each way. And then Miami, they get out gained four hundred and fifty-eight to two thirty-four. They the Dolphins with their backup and third string average six and a half yards per play. The Vikings average four and a half. Uh, I mean they got three turnovers and hundred penalty yards from the Dolphins. So this team has been, you know, beating you know some backup quarterbacks. They've been very fortunate in one possession games. Uh, Yeah, Saints, Lions, Dolphins, and Bears, and the Dolphins with the back. That's their wins, their last four wins. So I think the Vikings are vulnerable here. Their defense, as you said, uh, can be exploited. I think Arizona will. This is the spot to back cliff. Road dog, Hopkins back in the lineup. And it's still in the first half of the year before Arizona falls off a cliff in, like, weeks 10 through 17, as they always do.
1: Okay, well, if we had a a draft at the beginning of the season, I, I think the Chiefs hosting the Bills would have been the number one game of the year. I, this game probably would have been in the discussion to be number two, Packers at Buffalo. Uh, you're king, and you just know the shit, the look-ahead lines. I mean, it's it's enormous. I, I can't imagine, you know, week one, the, the lines for the season, this line is probably like minus four, minus five. Four.
2: I mean, it, yep, four.
1: Yeah, so uh, right now, obviously, it's, it's, it's 11, 11 and a half. I mean, who knows by the time kickoff. It, this, to me, I, I was thinking today, this morning, that remember now it's different because their team was better and Devontae was on it even though he didn't play this game. But last year that Thursday night game when they played Arizona, and Arizona I think was undefeated at the time, maybe yep. or maybe yep. they were eight and one, seven and
2: 7 and zero,
1: and it was just your classic like no one thought the Packers were going to win. Now this one's a little different because the Packers have been getting their ass kicked week after week, like with just their squad. But it does feel like eventually you just kind of draw the line in the sand. Like it, it kind of hit me this morning. Would it be the craziest thing? If Monday morning comes and it's like, you know, the Packers upset the Bills. Bills, bye week, kind of take their eye off the prize a little bit. It's not like you have some 5-2 and two Green Bay team coming in, so you're looking at like this, is some Super Bowl matchup. Not that I get it's Aaron Rodgers, but it just seems like the position where everyone and their mother is like, oh, Bills are going to kill them. And all of a sudden, you look up in the third quarter, and it's a tie game. Now, I the Green Bay, it's not like I'm some believer, but... You know, I, I could see them going like eight, nine, nine, and eight, and this is just a moment in their season when everyone kinda pivots back, Oh, Green Bay's back and figure it out. And it turns out no, they just kitchen sink type game, or maybe they just suck. I I don't know. But is it the craziest thing that the Packers win this game? I, I guess is what I'm saying.
2: No. Uh I I d I don't disagree. Yeah, I, I think that the Bills, yeah, they could potentially I know it's at night, they're off of a bye, but they potentially could come out flat here. They're off that Chiefs win. It's like a Packers team that's struggling. And, yeah, Rodgers will be a double-digit dog for the first time in his career. He's only been an underdog of six or more points three times in the regular season. He's covered all three. Ironically enough. Was Arizona one of those games last year? Arizona was one against undefeated Arizona. They won outright. Ironically enough, all three were on this exact weekend. If you also go back to 2018, the Rams, who were undefeated, um, went on to go to the Super Bowl. The Packers lost by 2 on a late field goal. No one gave them a chance. The Packers were were bad that year. And then back in 2010, they beat the undefeated Jets on this weekend 9-nothing. I don't I don't know what the hell went on that in that game. But that's it. They were that was the only time Riders have been a, an underdog of six or more points. But yeah, I actually think this works in the favor of the Packers. Like their offense, you know, they've obviously been struggling, but now they get to kind of breathe. No one gives them a chance. You go up there, you're just the underdog. And, you know, there's been all this pressure on this offense. So I think they can kind of play loose here. And I I actually think, you know, and they've lost three straight and haven't covered in three straight historically. You know, you're about 60% against the spread in the NFL over the past 40 years. Basically, what you're doing is buying low. And I think this is the spot to buy the Packers low. Uh, you know, and I think it's, it's not the worst matchup in the world. If you look at what's plagued the, the Packers, they're actually sixth in success rate on offense. You would never think that. They just have no explosiveness, and they've been the unluckiest team on third and fourth downs in the NFL, which tends to be, you know, there's a lot of variance there. Now, they don't have a lot of explosiveness at receiver. They can't really get separation. But the Bills are one of the best teams in the NFL at preventing explosive plays. You kind of have to drive it down, dink it, dunk. That could work here. And the Packers' defense, still a top-10 pass defense, arguably the worst run defense in the NFL – Statistically, it has been this year. The Bills are a bottom three rush offense this year. They can't. They can't run the ball this year. Plus, they don't run the ball. And if you have, if you go up there and the Bills decide we're going to run the ball game, you're fine with that. So, yeah, from a matchup perspective, it's not the worst thing in the world for the Packers against a team like the Bills, which is very pass heavy. And then on the other side of the ball, it's like, okay, let's short pass. Let's try to move the ball. You know, we, we, they play really slow. So, yeah, I think they can hang around in this game. The you know, defense is still number one in the NFL in drive success rate. The offense is sixth in success rate. They've Their special teams are bad, but they've had some bad luck on special teams. Third and fourth downs are dead last the NFL in fourth down conversion rate. The turnovers have killed them at inopportune times. So I think all that put together, you know, and the Bills just beat the Chiefs, juggernaut, blah, blah, blah. This is like the bottom of the market on the Packers. And I, I think it is worth something. You get Rodgers like, hey, plus 11 and a half Hall of Fame quarterback. Fine, and if he's down seventeen late, which is a blowout against the Bills, just playing prevent, I'll, I'll. There's worse quarterbacks you could have to go down and get yourself a back door.
1: I actually just looking at a parlay right now: Pats, Lions, Packers, about twenty-three to one. So Love you it. know, just, I'm just I might dab a little bit there, Stucky. So I'm, yeah. I'm feeling this. I like this Packer upset city, baby. Um, let's put get card- it, baby. Well, I mean, but put the Cardinals in there too. If you want to get real I, fights, I just, yeah. I, I, on principle, I, uh, I, I don't, I don't fuck with Kyler and Cliff that way, though. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't miss.
2: I, I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> have Cliff taken down my parlay either.
1: Th- that being said, I got Jared Goff and Dan Campbell in there, but I just Cliff, just I, no, it's actually Cliff. I don't have the biggest issue with, even though I don't think he's a great coach. I just think Kyler's like, bro, you're just. I, I still can't believe he finagled that contract Unbelievable. <laughs> after that performance. I mean, it's it's got an all-time – it's an all-time racket. And, and props to his agent. But I, I don't think we'll ever see anything quite like that again. Like, at least Dak, everyone was like, we love the guy. You know, people – his own teammates were like, yeah, not a big fan. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and they paid
2: him. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I was going to ask you about your, your Niners. We, it was funny. We were talking last week about how they love injured – players or p- players running backs with an injury history. And then we were talking about where's McCaffrey's going to go. And then we, a couple hours later, McCaffrey goes to the Niners there. I, they've owned, obviously have owned dominated Shannon has dominated McVay, except for like 2018 when the Niners were awful with like CJ Beathard, a quarterback. Do, do you think that could, and you know, it's a road game, but it'll be a home game with more Niners fans there by far. Do, are yeah. you too concerned about the defensive in, Like Armstead's really important with Kinlaw out. Um, are the defensive injuries? Ram, too Rams, don't here? Run
1: the, Rams don't run the ball, though. Yeah, so to me, it's just they they just they they just dominate them up front. And the Niners consistently in this game have got a lead. And then Stafford's become pass happy beside the Week 18 game last year. But for the most but the regular season games, beside that one, they've gotten a lead early, forced him to pass, and they've eaten his lunch. And he's just such so turnover prone. Yep. I mean, shit. I mean, he, he threw it to Kwaski Tard in that game. This is also I just don't think the Rams are that good. No, <laughs> I mean, neither are You know, and this is you know, the Niners. Their going offensive demonic. line is
2: a mess. It's just like it's just cup and then so concentrated on stars on their defense that it, they're but, uh,
1: the, the one thing would make me a little nervous is, I you know, it's hard to tell with the Niners. Maybe they're just being extra cautious as Debo was on the injury report day-to-day hamstring. Debo Samuel has beat the shit out of the Rams. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, they, he's run it all over him. He's caught it. He's, he threw a touchdown last year on him. He, he turns into like uh, Saquon Barkley in college or something. He's unstoppable. He looks like a high school player.
2: Yeah, then he talks. He talks shit on them after. Talks shit on Ramsey, and uh, yeah, he he owns them now. The one thing that maybe they could do without him is you know use checks out to the Niners are always beat up man, but uh, is that you you put in like your you have backs and then you use McCaffrey more like Stamuel, which is
1: well McCaffrey yesterday I saw a clip at practice he was like uh, running wide receiver routes, so yeah, I, I think part of it with Kyle, and this is why they. I don't love overpaying for a running back, but I thought McCaffrey was like 30. It turned out he was 26. He's like the oldest 26-year-old ever. Part of it, obviously, was the Rams offered a second, a second, a third, and a fifth, and basically the Niners just had a fourth. The irony is the reason the Rams didn't have a fourth is because they used that to trade for Sony Michel. So, wow. uh I didn't one know One thing, that. I don't know how much of that game you saw last week, the Chiefs game. McCaffrey did look pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he looked good two weeks ago when he was on the Panthers, So, you know, fucking as long as he stays
2: win. healthy, he's still <laughs> he's he's a, the top. He's a top three back of the NFL. And yeah, if there's anywhere where he would thrive even more, it's in a Shanahan offense. Like the ways that they can use him.
1: I, I did uh, see today endless. a headline. I did see a headline that Kamara. You know, put people are sniffing around. I could see the Rams being all over you know second third and like a next year second like okay we give Miss McCaffrey we'll just trade you picks for him like that to yep. me if you tell me Alvin Kamara gets traded where does he go I, the leader in the clubhouse for me would be the
2: Rams yeah that's a good call but you, you guys think you get it done again I'm, I'm I'm thinking about betting the Niners
1: yeah I mean I, I feel like the Niners this week I like the Niners most weeks and it's like sometimes they dominate a good team and sometimes they get their ass kicked by an average team they they are. The most bizarre talented team I've ever seen in my life.
2: Yeah, last week I think it was just all the defensive injuries. You can't overcome them against um, a Chiefs offense, a juggernaut Chiefs offense when they are on. When that Chiefs offense is on, you like the, I would love to see the Chiefs offense on against the Niners defense full strength. But when the Chiefs offense is on against the Niners beat up defense, no chance.
1: Well, there was but a play the 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 Rams, the, half. Are far,
2: the Rams are like here. Like, you look at like, oh. the Rams, like a bottom three offense this year.
1: I mean, Stafford's on pace for – he's not going to throw 25 picks, but does he have a 20-pick season in him? if they're bad and he's just playing from behind sure. in a lot of games? you know? Sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Okay, Parlay, Patriots, Lions, Packers, let's go. Adios, Stucky.
2: All right, brother. Good luck.
0: Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. I'm Saleha Mosent, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across
1: the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump
0: and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started the Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for
1: voters.